Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? I'm very pleased to have as my guests today two women I admire greatly. Jennifer Sumner is a retired teacher and business consultant, and Barbara Castleton is a writer and ESL educator at South Seattle College. Both of them have traveled widely to exotic places and often alone. Many people, including myself, would be timid about traveling on their own, so I asked Jennifer and Barbara to join me and talk about their experiences. So Jennifer, let's start with you. What inspired you to travel the world on your own? Well, I didn't start out traveling alone um, because I had all kinds of uh, concerns. I'm, in general, I'm a fussy person. I like a narrow temperature. I like to be comfortable. I'm afraid of things. But my choir was traveling to Cuba for a big concert with lots of other choirs. And as I learned more about it, I learned we would be staying in a dormitory and it, we didn't know whether it would be safe. This was in 99 and we knew it would be terribly hot at the time of year we were going and there might be insects that would bother me. And so I stewed about it and then I decided I didn't want to miss it um, because of um, all these objections that might happen. And so I went on it, and everything I was concerned about happened. I didn't sleep much. There were <laughs> bugs. It was too hot. And I had a fabulous time. And I, I hold that. Um, you know, I, every, every time I'm considering something, I, I, I realize I can put up with that for a couple of weeks. And so it's not that I no longer try to control it and avoid it. And so it frees me up for, you know, all kinds. So things. I have numerous examples of that now. Oh, good. Okay. Well, let's let's get Barbara's um, introduction, and then uh, I'd love to hear more about your numerous examples. So, Barbara, how about you? What got you started? My family were campers, <clears throat> and there were five children, and we frequently went out to go rock hunting, um, uh, camping, um, hiking, bird watching, etc. And each of us had our own little satchel that we had to pack ourselves. And we had our own little canvas bag into which went an invariably squished sandwich. <laughs> and, you know, something else, probably carrots or celery. And then we also had rock hammers and a compass. And and I remember in Oregon, um, in Bear Creek, getting lost. And being lost was nerve-wracking. I was maybe eight. And it was um, a, certainly a problem. But it wasn't terrifying. It was just a problem. And um, that we ended up being found, you know, in short order, of course. But for those brief seconds, I think I learned that, that the world is... And can make you nervous, but it likely isn't going to kill you right off the bat. <laughs> so 
um, mm-hmm. uh, it was just kind of an epiphany. And then I mm-hmm. left home at the age of 18. Uh, I'm almost surprised Lizzie wasn't there because she would have been great at that party. <laughs> um, pizza party. And then I left home on an airplane and I went by myself. And as Jennifer has said, I have traveled with people at various times in my life, but I've traveled probably half the time by myself. And for people who are timid, I think that the breakdown that Jennifer gave is kind of important to realize, okay, what is it about this that's making you nervous? She mentioned bugs. That is so funny because of course, bugs are a major consideration. Not getting mugged, not getting raped, not none of that, it's bugs. <laughs> and, uh, or rats. Rats is also a biggie in my department. But I've discovered I can, I can handle bugs, I can handle rats. But I think that the breakdown of which things it is that might make one nervous, getting lost is one, but you know, how lost can you really be? Mm-hmm. Um, you can be uncomfortable, but there will be somebody who, who is helpful to you. So I came to Seattle, and then since then I have traveled many places. I went to Istanbul by myself. I've been to Italy numerous times by myself. I've been to Morocco by myself. I've been to, God, I don't know, England uh, by myself. And um, uh, traveling by myself is not as much fun as traveling with somebody. But um, since I'm so interested in the place I am, I've always found it so exciting and beneficial just to take it all in. And so instead of being able to talk to somebody about that, I invariably write it down. Mm. So I think, I think that for me, it, it is recognizing what it is that you're going to be terrified with. And then as Jennifer has pointed out, measuring exactly how much anxiety that's going to produce and, and, and deciding to do it anyway. It is very Nike-esque in mm-hmm. that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it is. That reminds me that, um, Barbara, you're a writer, so you experience the travel through writing, and, and, and when you don't have people to converse with, you can write to yourself. And Jennifer, you, I know you're a painter, so is that a, a useful tool for you when you're traveling alone? It's a way of, of really absorbing something, of, you know, you stare at something for a couple of hours, and then it really you know, is part of you. It soaks in. But I, you know, I also take snapshots. Mm. Can I insert? I take luminous pictures. I mean, I mean, I take huge numbers of pictures. And they say, I know the research says that sometimes you don't experience a place as much if you take pictures. And what I hope is that I'm taking pictures and experiencing the moment. It's not like I would rather do a selfie than experience St. <laughs> Mark's Square. You know, um, the pigeons aren't as important to me as the people. And and right. yeah, I've taken a lot of people pictures because I'm fascinated by diversity, and I have a camera that has a zoom lens, so I'm not intrusive. Uh, when I do it, but when one time when I was in South America in a market, I'm I'm particularly tall, 
and I stand out. I never blend in anywhere. A family came up to me and wanted me to have, to be able to take pictures of me with their kids. And they, one after another, there was this tall lady with white hair and these um, smaller um, people. That, and they thought that was terribly amusing. And <laughs> afterwards, I realized how objectified I felt and how I had been objectifying all these quaint people in the places I go. So I, it's really struck me to be a lot more um, thoughtful um, and respectful about the um, picture taking I've been doing. Mm-hmm. On that note, your relationship, when you're traveling alone, your relationship with people is different. I think that there's a camouflage that happens when you're traveling with people and you don't necessarily, or I don't necessarily notice my behaviors or, or what I'm doing in exactly the same way as when I'm alone, but uh, Jennifer brings up a good point about people. I've traveled so much in North Africa and um, Muslim countries that I am very cautious about taking pictures of people. But I remember there was a, I was in India as an English language fellow, and I went around on a little tour of this Mughal town uh, city. It was two million people, so it wasn't a town at all. But there was this uh, garbage place, you know, where garbage was heaped by height, and people were going through the garbage. And this one young woman was there with the most extraordinary face. I will never forget that face. It was smooth and sweet and luminous. And I asked her if I could take her picture because it almost felt like an affront to even consider it. Mm. But she said yes. And so I was able to take her picture. Did the picture mm. turn out? Was, was it able to capture any of, of her? her yes, it did. I, can't, I don't know where it is, though. I was oh. looking for it not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll find it. It's India. But India was eight months. And so there's lots of pictures. Do you guys do a lot of research before you travel? Uh, Jennifer, why don't you, why don't I start with you? (laughs) You know, it's bizarre. I always mean to, but I don't do very much. I have a couple of tricks I do to to, um, make up for that. Um, But part of my attraction is places I'm completely ignorant about, places that have a strange name that sounds very exotic, and it's almost like I protect my ignorance until the, the experience. Mm-hmm. But what I've often done is found a specialist there, either a, a local tour person or something that, that gives me an entry. And I can tap them for the do's and don'ts. And I love to know what is polite mm-hmm. and what is you know respectful and um, what not to do. Um, I don't want to be offensive, mm-hmm. um, but I am very curious. So I will, um, instead of doing a lot of research, I will find some um, people at the beginning of the trip, you know, to have a tour with. Uh, before I ask um, Barbara about research, where do you find the locals? How do you find somebody, who, uh, a local tour guide? Well, when I went to Bulgaria last June, I just looked on the internet and I was lucky. I mean, it could have been a scam, but they were 
fabulous. And before I was going to go to a painting experience on the Black Sea. And I said, well, I'm flying an awful long way. 10 days doesn't seem like very much. So I hired a guy. And this is the only time I've ever done one-on-one -on -one guide uh, instead of joining a small group. And he was fabulous. He took me from the capital city um, slowly. He drove. They picked all the places we'd stay. They interviewed me ahead of time of, you know, what are you interested in? Took me to ruins and little towns and places I could paint. And he was so thrilled that I spoke good English because he loved to tell about these things. And some of the tourists he gets speak very poor English. Mm. So he, he enjoyed it too. Barbara, tell me about what kinds of research you do or don't do ahead of time. I almost, you know, it depends on where it is and what the circumstances are, but I do get books and I get books to find out about the big buildings or the monuments or the whatever so that I don't have to pay a tour guide. Mm -hmm. And uh, they usually have more information about it. And, but I don't carry the books around. So I, I, I might break off the part of the book that is about that city and just carry that around. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm, I have a backpack or, or a purse or whatever it is that I have, I don't want seven pounds of stuff in there. Mm -hmm. What I most often do is um, find out where there are walks, planned mm -hmm. walks. Mm -hmm. And I started out doing this in 1991 in Venice, Venice Walks. And there were like, book of about five walks. They took you to every part of the city and they talked to you about every point of interest. Uh, because I don't, I don't tend to hang where the tourists are. Not that I have anything mm -hmm. tourists, except that particularly in a place like Venice, it's like, you know, uh, cruise vomitus. Um, <laughs> you know, they just like, <laughs> Blowing off of these cruise ships, and um, you want to go. Yeah. That's where they're going to be today. No, I'm not going there. I'm going someplace else. Mm -hmm. right. So I've done right. walks in Istanbul. I've done walks in in Venice and in Milan and in Rome. I've done walks in uh, Bangkok, although traffic was a little bit of a problem there. And certainly, uh, I haven't done walks in Morocco because in Morocco I just walk everywhere so mm -hmm. it's a it's a different situation mm -hmm. but that's i do like to have some research although now that i have a place in italy i find myself going to places that i have just seen on a map mm -hmm. and uh, discovering whatever it is that is there and that's proven to be so much fun mm -hmm. um i thoroughly enjoy it um so what, whatever way feels good, if, if, if that gives a person a level of comfort to have knowledge about something, mm -hmm. if it gives them comfort to think that they're going to be meeting a tour guide, mm -hmm. um, if, uh, anything that works for them, I think, should be what they choose to do. Okay. And um, what, both of you, what, uh, oh, excuse me, Jennifer, you wanted to say something before. I had, one, I had one more thing I just remembered that I do, which is sort of a shortcut is I get ads for expensive tours because I have done some tours. And so I'll look at them in, you know, in a, a strange place uh, and I'll find out where they go 
mm. and what they th what they think is wonderful in their advertising, and then I'll just do that. I'll I'll go to the places that sound wonderful in in their ads. <laughs> That's great. Um, so what I do make a distinction places where I speak the language and where I don't. I have little bits of lots of languages, and I'm much more confident if I can um, talk to people in their language, then I don't have to just stay in, in tourist places where mm -hmm. they speak English. What languages do you have? Well, I have um, adequate um, French and German, and um, I can now speak New Zealand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I, when I'm traveling, I, 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 I learn how to um, say polite things and count. You know, mm -hmm. I have to brush up on it mm -hmm. wherever I go. You, you also have very good Spanish, too, right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> but a and bad Bar memory. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara, how about you? What languages do you get you rely on? Uh, um, well, I've studied French and German and Spanish, but I'm most fluent in Arabic. And now, as you know, I'm learning Italian. Yay! Uh, one of the things about, for uh, you know, going forward in a foreign language is you have to be willing to look stupid, and um, mm -hmm. and I do on a regular basis, but that never stops me. I talk <laughs> to my students about this all the time because they're always right. worried about making mistakes, and I said, "Oh, sweetie." you just wouldn't get very far across Rome if you were worried about making mistakes because yep. it stops you, you know, that concern, it stops you. Right. Yep. So I just, I, I absolutely I, agree. I, I um, used to have dictionaries with me, but now I have Google Translate, mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah. And um, <laughs> uh, it really helps because it gives you the pronunciation as well as the phrasing. So, I may not know what I'm saying, but it, it seems to work well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that do it, being willing to be stupid. I figure I'm entertaining the locals <laughs> by my horrible pronunciation and silly construction. And there's a few um, there's a few structures that I will memorize in any language where I will learn how to say where is mm -hmm. and do do you have and a, a few of those, and then you just need a list of, you can take your little dictionary and find the noun mm -hmm. um, you're looking for. But I, I will actually learn a few of these very useful phrases. My mother, <laughs> my mother took uh, French in high school and um, <laughs> she didn't get to France for another, uh, oh, I don't know, 40 years. <laughs> But um, she wanted to practice some of her French and that she hadn't practiced in 40 years. So she's there with my dad and she's, she decides to ask a French person. And she goes up to the French person and she says, Où est le Louvre? <laughs> <laughs> and the person points to this huge building right behind her. And he said, that's the Louvre. <laughs> in English. Yeah, but it was like she was standing in front of it. It was really fun. So <laughs> that's exactly what's supposed to happen. I yep. love it. I, I think that's one of the reasons I yep. love traveling, is because you get to 
experience, this is a form of play for me, you know? Uh, uh, it really, it really tickles that part of my character that I get to mess around with languages. Mm. And uh, it's, mm. it's like finger painting. It's just like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so. So um, what, what resources would you recommend for somebody who is thinking of, of traveling by themselves for the first time? Jennifer? Wow, I haven't a clue. Mm. Um, this, this by yourself phrase, you make it sound as though it's very um, uh, either or, and, and I don't think it is. I think it's very mm. um, graded. For example, if you went um, on a trip with a group that you felt very comfortable with, and then you went off on a walk one afternoon by yourself, that could feel wonderfully adventurous while, Good you know, point. protected. I, I think it's, it's, it's like any other um, fear. You, you do your baby steps out of it. You don't plunge. Um, and so you might do your, your first, you know, solo in a place that you're pretty well acquainted with or um, a town you have visited before. Or um, I, I, I don't think it's a, it makes sense to me to do it as a, you know, a big jump off a cliff thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But point. I do think you could plan your baby steps so that you had that little thrill. Of, <laughs> oh, this is, a, this is into the unknown. Like one time I went, I, I, I always need to go to the bathroom more than everybody else. And the tour guide I was with was very concerned that there wasn't a suitable bathroom for me that all there was was what the locals used which was like a hole in the ground and i went and used this hole in the ground in the market that that stunk and that was very adventurous mm -hmm. even though i was traveling with a group and i think you you can play the edge of your um uh, concerns and get the the thrill of being courageous and uh, have the excitement of it without the terror. Brilliant! I love that. Thanks very much. And and Barbara, um, any resources that you would recommend um, or advice for first? Couple things that I wanted to say. One is I lived with a hole in the ground for <laughs> years, uh, uh, but but. Um, there was a time uh, when I was traveling in uh, Morocco all by myself. I was a Peace Corps volunteer. I was trying to get to my friend's village, and the village was six miles from the nearest main road. And she said, don't get there after dark because everything is closed at the, on the main road. Everything is closed, and um, there won't be any taxis to bring you in. And of course I got there in the dark and I got off the bus and it was very dark. <laughs> and the bus driver was concerned because obviously I wasn't a Moroccan. And he said, you know, and we're speaking in Arabic and he says, madam, you really need to go down to the next town of Talmist and go to the hotel. They might have a room where you can stay and then in the morning you can get, you can get a taxi in. And looking around this absolutely deserted crossroads with shuttered little shops, and the only people who were there were men, not that I've ever been afraid of Moroccan men, 
but it just seemed prudent to get back on the bus and and go to tall nest where there was no room but there was a table i could sit at and i decided i would lay my head down and sit there until a waiter gave me his room Hmm. And uh, that was very nice with a lock on the inside. And the only problem was it was carpeted in uh, cartons, broken down cartons. And under the cartons, cartons on the floor, you could hear this scratching sound, which was probably either mice or scorpions, which meant that I spent the entire night on the bed, wide awake, you know. and uh, uh, really worried for my bladder. Mm. This is all coming down to my bladder, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, went, I, re- I can relate. I went out. I had not been to the bathroom uh, since I left home at 8 that morning, and now it's 2 a.m. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Mm. And, um, and the bathroom, the hole in the ground was so disgusting that I didn't. I just said, no, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I'll just call on my, my physiognomy to hold me up for another few hours. And it did. And I, and I went on. But I've done the hole in the floor thousands, yes. thousands of times. That, that would be worth a blog in itself. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the standards from one to 10, I got a whole new set of standards from zero down to a minus 10. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, resources. One, T-Mobile. I discovered T-Mobile and um, in terms of international travel just recently for my trip to Italy in March, that it is brilliant because I don't have to get a different phone or do anything. T-Mobile is German and it works. It works. It costs me 20 cents a minute. Um, and what that does is it makes you feel like, okay, I have a resource. I have something I can do. I don't have a computer, but I could actually call home and they could check on something if I'm really, really lost. So that was one thing. Well, um, let me just, uh, so you're saying, did you, you got an Italian phone in that's with T-Mobile or is it a, a Seattle phone? It's, it's, my, it's my Seattle phone and it works just like, I mean, I can use it all over Italy. Oh, I can use it everywhere. And I don't have to worry about minutes. It's unlimited this, it's unlimited that. And so that eased my travel this trip enormously. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this is that Jennifer and I are well-traveled and we've been well-traveled for a great many years, but I had the opportunity to view somebody who was not well-traveled. And so I want to preface this um, resource um, based on that person's experience and everybody will be different, but I saw travel from the eyes of a, of a virgin, if you will. Mm -hmm. And my son-in-law came with my daughter um, to, he wasn't my son-in-law then to Venice a few years ago. And he was like blown away by, Oh my God, this is completely different. It was, Mm. it, it was just like, Google-eyed and excited, but also intimidated, mm-hmm. um, and couldn't find his excitement because the the variations, the differences, the whole culture, the language, the streets, the lack of cars, everything was 
Mm -hmm. Completely and utterly different than this boy from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I mean, so Mm. he, he was in a state of awe and anxiety, although he was perfectly polite to be around and everything. But you could see this happening. And on day two, mm. we handed him a map. And he was in Brooklyn. He was uh, just fine. Uh, From that second on, he was, he was at home and willing to put up with the differences. It made such a difference. It was like a banky, you know, if you're a two-year-old. <laughs> it was like, oh, a map! Because he's, he's grown up with maps. So I think that whatever it is that is comfortable for you when you're living in your own environment if you're if you like to do road trips or hikes or whatever that is maybe mm. find take a similar resource with you mm-hmm. um a map or as i do walks you know mm-hmm. so that you mm. have that one level of comfort that might otherwise be missing so that's what i would say about that having just recently observed him Well, I think that's brilliant to say, what is the person's, what is the person's blankie? Yeah. I think that's a great idea. For me, it's the phrases, is having these certain phrases, because I know I can bumble through a conversation and get what I need if I have my certain phrases. So that's very insightful, Barbara. You guys are awesome. I, 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 I need to, to, to close up, but is there anything else you'd like to, to add before we, we uh, close this event? I, I, I'm definitely going to ask you both back um, uh, for future episodes, but what would you like to, to say in closing today? I think that my, my thing is that um, however many lives we may have, this is the only one we're going to remember. And I think that my motto is to buy the ticket and go. <laughs> Um, and I've had, I've had so many positive experiences that the few niggling irritations or things that didn't work out quite right are, you know, just buried ag- against all of these amazing personal experiences with human beings who are just willing to chat with you, share with you, um, give you whatever you need. And um, the, 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 strangenesses that sometimes make it awkward for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, buy the ticket and go. Excellent. Jennifer? Um, I also travel alone a lot in an RV in the United States. And I learned a very big lesson there that applies to all travel is that every, I, I had this really old van for a long time and it was always every single trip it had a major breakdown and again instead of being avoiding something because you're afraid it will happen assume it will (laughs) and that you will meet meet wonderful people who will help you and that you've got what it takes to cope with it and if you're content with yourself you will deal fine with all these bizarre things that happen Oh, that's so true. That is, uh, I, I, I totally concur with the wonderful people who will help you. Uh, that has yeah, don't, been don't put your energy into protecting yourself. Just put your energy into believing in yourself. Oh, that's great. I'd like to close with that. That sounds brilliant. And I, I want to <laughs> thank my guests, Jennifer Sumner and Barbara Castleton. I'm going to put some links in the podcast notes so you can find out more about them. 
And I invite listeners to write in and let me know what you've always wanted to do but were hesitant to try and who inspired you. I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold. Thanks for listening.